Good morning. Have you guys ever heard the phrase, the writing on the wall? The writing on the wall. It's a phrase we use when, um, that, use that, we use that, that means that like when something's bad about to happen, right? Do you see the writing on the wall, right? A, a football team that loses their star player might have the writing on the wall, right? Their season is about to be pretty bad, right? Maybe you see the writing on the wall at your company, right? And so you, you kind of look for a new job before there are massive layoffs, right? Signs or bad things are about to happen. Anybody a Tom Clancy fan? Just, okay, just me and Henry and Daniel. Okay. He wrote a lot of military fiction books, and I didn't read any, I didn't read any of his books, but I watched a lot of his movies. And one of his books is called Clear and Present Danger, and I watched the movie, I enjoyed it. Um, has one of my favorite actors, Harrison Ford. There's a scene in the book that didn't make it into the movie. Um, there's some sort of drug cartel dude. He's pretty bad. And he's sitting pretty comfortably in his own house somewhere in Central America. He's a happy camper. And he happens to be watching TV. And suddenly there's a news report about him. He sees himself on TV. And the report is about how bad the guy is and a list of his crimes and whatnot. And the drug lord dude, he chuckles to himself. Uh, he's pretty smug, right? He's, he's thinking he's safe and that he'll never be found. He thinks to himself, look at all of them trying to find me. But then at the end of the news segment, the news report, it cuts to a live video feed to his own house, which he slowly recognizes. Wait a minute, that's, that's my house. That's where I live. That's where I am right now. A slow realization becomes a panicked realization. A slow realization becomes a panicked realization. And the news person at the end of the, of the news segment says something like, and this is our response. And the laser-guided bomb with those crosshairs that you see on TV, you ever seen those, right? Pinpoint accuracy, and it hits, the, it hits the house and the drug lord dies. I always thought that that was an awesome and a fearful scene at the same time. He saw his own death live-streamed before that, there was even a word live-streamed. He saw something like the writing on the wall, something bad was about to happen, and it did. Well, okay, we're continuing the book of Daniel. Uh, we're in Daniel chapter 5 today, but let me summarize the first four chapters. In chapter 1, the Israelites are conquered by the Babylonians, and Daniel and his friends are forced to learn a new culture. In chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream about this, this huge statue, and no one can interpret it except for Daniel. In chapter 3, King, King Nebuchadnezzar builds this, or he, he builds a huge image of gold and demands people to bow down and worship it. And if they don't, they'll be, uh, they'll be thrown into a fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do exactly that. They refuse to worship, but then God saves them. And then in chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. Um, it's a really warning, really, about a big tree that gets cut down. And King Nebuchadnezzar, it's about him. He loses his mind, but then he, he regains it, and he's restored at the end. We talked about, last time that I spoke, we talked about taking God's warning seriously, which King Nebuchadnezzar did not, and suffered the consequences. 
Today we'll be going through chapter 5, which is kind of a companion piece to Daniel chapter 4. But before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are a lot of distractions here on earth. I pray that you send the Spirit to us, help us honor you, help us cast aside things that take our focus and our attention away from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, Today's passage is set around the fall of Babylon, uh, the actual end of the Babylon, uh, the Babylonian Empire. Verse 1. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wife and his concubines, might drink from them. All right, so beginning, huge party, thousand nobles, right? I'm going to skip to verse 4. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, silver of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Already two mistakes here. First, he's desecrating the holy vessels of God. He's drinking out of these sacred goblets. These are holy things used to worship God, and he's just chugging alcohol out of them. And the second, he is worshiping idols, gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. He's desecrating disrespecting God's holy objects, and then he's worshiping idols. Okay, let's keep that in mind. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. A slow realization becomes a panicked realization. A slow realization becomes a panicked realization. So that writing on the wall, that famous verse that we all know, comes from this story in the Bible. And this right here reminds me of that scene from that book um, I I talked about uh, earlier. Face turned pale and frightened, just like that drug lord coming to the abrupt realization that his life was about to end. So suddenly some random fingers start writing on the wall, right? And no one can figure out what it means. The king summoned the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. Then he said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Well, 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 we encounter the wizards again. Do you see a common theme in the book of Daniel? Always going to the wizards for answers. And I think we know if the wizards will be successful or not, right? Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His his nobles were baffled. He knew this was bad. No one could read or interpret the words. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and the nobles, came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. She probably heard them all in hushed voices, all freaked out. Can you imagine that scene? Like, oh my gosh, what do these words mean? What's going on? And the queen remembers Daniel, and she starts to list all these positive attributes about Daniel. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the wizards, the the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. 
He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. Go get him. He can do it. He can interpret these words for you. Why are you messing around with these lowly wizards who can't read the writing on the wall? Go straight to Daniel. And so the king gets Daniel and offers him the same deal to the wizards. If you can read and interpret this writing, I'll give you a gold chain, purple robe, and I'll, uh, uh, I'll give you a nice promotion. All right, so we'll skip to verse 17. Then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. I'll do this for free. This one is on the house. You can keep your money to yourself or give it to someone. I don't care, but I will, I will, I will interpret this for you free of charge. I'm guessing Daniel took one look at the words and he knew immediately what they meant. In fact, I'll bet Daniel was itching to tell the king what the words meant, honestly. Why? Because he probably saw the huge drinking party and they were drinking out of the sacred vessels. He's probably not exactly happy that they defiled God's holy objects here. And (laughs) because he first gives this little speech to King Belshazzar, like a preface, almost almost as if to say, let me tell you what you did to get yourself in this little predicament in here. Daniel doesn't get down to business right away, and I think Daniel wants to get in his words. Probably a long time coming, in fact. You ever feel that way? You ever want to talk to someone to give them peace of your mind? Can't wait to set them down straight? I need to talk to you. I think parents might struggle with this. I do. We have this temptation to lecture our kids. Come here. I want to talk to you. And I think that's Daniel here. And back, if you remember back then, when you speak to a king, you have to speak very carefully. You have to speak very respectfully. Like, if they didn't like what you said or your attitude, they could have you killed, right? I would like to institute that at Anchor. But Daniel isn't afraid at this point. He's not worried. He knows he has the upper hand, so he tells it like it is. Are you ready? All right, here we go. The hammer drops. Your majesty, the most high God, gave your father, Nebuchadnezzar, sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. All right, so Daniel throws it all the way back to King Nebuchadnezzar. And the first thing he says is, your dad had it all. He had it all. Because of the high position he gave him, all the nations of peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. Those he wanted to humble, he humbled. Some people he put to death, some people he spared, some people he promoted, some people he humbled. Basically, King Nebuchadnezzar did as he wanted, right? But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from the royal throne and stripped of his glory. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with wild animals, wild donkeys, and ate grass like the ox. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. 
Daniel basically summarizes King Nebuchadnezzar's life. And so far, it's a history lesson that King Belshazzar already knew. So now comes the accusation. So far, it's just set up. Fourteen times the words you or your, your are in this next passage. But you, Belshazzar, and remember, you're not really supposed to be talking to a king this way, right? You're not supposed to be like, oh, king. You're not supposed to be like you, right? You're supposed to be like, oh, king, may you live forever, right? But Daniel here is like, nah. You, you, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, instead you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven, you had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles and your wives and your concubines drank from them. I highlighted that part up above. You knew all this. You knew all this history. You knew what happened to your king Nebuchadnezzar and the circumstances surrounding it. You knew all this, right, king? And yet, you Praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in your hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. Daniel has been speaking this entire time, and he still hasn't interpreted the writing on the wall. He's totally building up. He speaks to, dead, to King Belshazzar as, as if he was a condemned criminal. Daniel's not afraid of the king like other people might have been. Daniel had God on his side, and he knew it. Contrast the way that Daniel spoke to King Nebuchadnezzar. Do you remember? King Nebuchadnezzar had bad news. Do you remember that? But Daniel was like, oh, man, king, I wish this bad news applied to your enemies and not you. Right? Do you remember that? He's, he's like, oh, man, I, I wish this was this. Was, but this, is, this, is, this applies to you, and I feel badly for you. That's none of that here. Today, no. You. You knew. You ignored. You exalted yourself. You desecrated. You worshiped idols. You disregarded. You dishonored. You. Daniel goes off on Belshazzar you will be made responsible for your attitudes and actions. And so finally we get to the writing on the wall. After all this, we finally get there. The inscription in verse 25, this is the inscription that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. Here's what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and, been found, and, and found wanting. Perez, uh, Perez is the singular of uh, person, okay? Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. So Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson for us today could be something like numbered, numbered, judged, divided. Numbered, numbered, judged, divided. Your days are numbered. You've been weighed, evaluated, judged, and it's not good. So your kingdom will be divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, 
Daniel was clothed in purple, a gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Probably King Belshazzar's, Belshazzar's worst fears have come true. So I have to wonder if he was trying to, uh, if, if Belshazzar was trying to appease Daniel's God by treating him nicely. Here, have a robe and a promotion. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. These nice gestures don't, toward Daniel don't work, though. No chance to repent this time. Belshazzar may have kept his word, but man, the party's over. God has spoken the last word on the kingdom of Babylon. You know what? I, I have to think that Daniel accepted these gifts with a smile, knowing that they would be short-lived. Third highest ruler in the kingdom Yippee, for a kingdom that lasts a few more hours. It's like being promoted to a CEO of a company that is being bought out and disbanded, right? It's kind of it's pointless. So Darius takes over. We'll find out next chapter that he quite likes Daniel, but that's, that's next sermon. So I want to summarize the passage. King Belshazzar has a huge drinking party and even used sacred goblets that were holy things that the priests used to worship God, really disrespectful. And as they're parting, these fingers start writing on the wall, men and men at Tekel Parson. The king, goes, the, the team, the king uh, went pale, arms fell, heart raced, knees buckled, one minute parting, next minute freaking out. Doesn't take much, right? And suddenly all, your attitude changes. King Belshazzar summons his own wizards because of course he does. And of course they have no clue what the writing means. The queen interrupts them and says, hey, uh, there used to be a guy named Daniel he used to interpret dreams and solve riddles for your dad, so maybe try him out. Daniel comes, and the king offers him honor and wealth to read the writing. And Daniel's like, no, nah, no, nah, bro, I don't need any of that stuff. But I will gladly tell you what those words mean anyway. God gave your king, God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar control of all the Babylon. Huge kingdom, great success. He became proud, and God humbled him. He learned from this and repented. You though, did not learn from history. You knew all this, and you didn't learn. You have not repented. You are not humble before God. You drink out of holy cups at your party. You have not honored God, and He will not honor you. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. Your days are numbered. You've been weighed, and it's been found wanting. You haven't lived up to what you should have been. You haven't lived up to what you should have done. So your kingdom will be divided and given to others. And that same night, he was killed and a new king, a new country took over. Man, I'm so glad I'm not King Belshazzar, right? I am so glad I am not King Belshazzar, right? Right? I'm glad I'm not him, Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not him. Well, let's, let's take a look. There are three things I, can, I think we can learn from today's passage. The first, let's go back to verses 3 to 4. First, they dishonored God. They drank from the holy cups, and then they praised the random gods, all the little gods that don't exist. 
gold, silver, bronze, uh, whatever materials. When God said, you shall have no other gods before me, many people mistakenly interpret this as gods, as actual deities. And maybe because we don't worship little statues today or gods of the, gods of the sun and the moon, we think idolatry doesn't apply to us. But idolatry is anything that takes away our focus from God in doing his will. It's more than just worshiping and praising little, other little gods. And I think we have earthly desires, earthly idols that we put before God. We need to take an honest look at inside ourselves and find out what they are. And I've said before, I, I think entertainment is our biggest idol today. You know, back then they praised the gods of uh, gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, uh, all those little fake gods. Today we worship new, some new materials, don't we? The gods of silicon, gorilla glass, lithium, plastic, aluminum. Anything that keeps our phones powered on. It seems many of us, we just can't stay off our phones. I think we worship the gods of internet and streaming and sports and entertainment. Can anyone identify? Or just me? It's just me. I heard that. Idols can be other things too. I remarked to Jane recently that I didn't want education to be an idol. I think that's an easy trap that many parents can get caught up in, especially living in Southern California. Jane and I have been trying to get our son Jonathan into another school district, one that we perceive is better, whether it actually is or not. And this has caught me by surprise because I, I thought Jonathan would just be in daycare for the rest of his life. Uh, I didn't realize he was getting older and bigger and that he would actually need to attend school. Any of you parents remember this? When you first had to register your firstborn into kindergarten? Jane, is just us. No one's raising their hand. Okay, then you know what I'm talking about. There's a temptation to do everything that we can to get our children enrolled in a better school district. Even education can be an idol. So the first thing for today, let's honor God through our actions and our attitudes. Let us recognize the things that we put ahead of God in our lives. King Belshazzar sure didn't. Let's learn from his example. We honor God through our actions and our attitudes. Let's get rid of our idols. Let's put down our phones or iPads or computers once in a while and talk to God. Pray. Talk to Him what's on your mind. Cultivate that relationship with Him. Take captive every thought and put it before Christ Jesus. All right, let's look at a second thing. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was warned, and he repented, and he was restored, right? His dad, his, his ancestor. King Belshazzar was warned indirectly. In verse, 10, verse 22, Daniel says, you knew all this. Oh, sorry. Uh, you knew all this. You should have seen it coming. You knew the story of your own ancestor, Nebuchadnezzar. You knew what happened to him. You are accountable Winston Churchill once said, those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And it seems like Belshazzar never learned what he should have learned from the experience of his grandfather, King Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar did not change his ways, ways, and he was judged and died that very night. King Belshazzar did not learn from history. But let us learn from history. So the second thing that we can take away is learn from history. Learn from both King Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. 
the pride that, each two, that both of these men had. Even though they were both kings, they were still both human with human ambitions and human desires and human sins. Many of us here today, we know God's word. We know the greatest two commandments, to love God with all our being and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Let us learn from the history of these two kings. And the third thing we can take away from today's passage, mene, mene, tekel, parson. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. Numbered, judged, divided. Numbered, judged, divided. Aren't all of our days numbered? Whether we realize it or not, whether we want them to be or not, aren't all our days numbered? Only God knows when He will take us. And one day, we will all be weighed. We will all be evaluated. We will all be judged. And after we are gone, aren't all the things we own divided up and given to others? Don't we, don't we all have wills and trusts that dictate how, much, how things will be divided up? The writing on the wall meant for King Belshazzar is really also meant for us. Right now, it's just minute, minute for us. Our days are numbered. But let's take a look at Tekel for a moment. Let's focus on being weighed, being evaluated, being judged. We will all be judged one day. Whether we realize it or not, whether we want it or not, that time will come. And I pray that none of us are parting it up like King Belshazzar when that moment comes. Maybe we think to ourselves, ah, you know what, I just want to get my sinning out of the way, and I'll just repent at the end. Uh, I've been like that. I just want to have a little fun now. And And if you've been like that, you know what I'm talking about. Not the major sins that we call major. But you can see that for Belshazzar, it was already too late for him. And we do not know when God will take us, when it may be too late to repent. Daniel told Belshazzar, you kneel, you ignored. You exalted yourself. You desecrated. You worshipped idols. You disregarded. You dishonored. I pray that when we are judged one day, we are not told. You knew you ignored, you exalted yourself, you desecrated, you worshipped idols, you disregarded, you dishonored. I pray that we aren't told you, should, you, you didn't live up to what you should have been, what you should have done. As I said before, today's chapter is kind of a companion chapter to the previous one about King Nebuchadnezzar. And I love how... Um, you know, both chapters are juxtaposed against one another. It's really a tale of two kings. Both, ta- both chapters talk about coming danger, but one story is with a happy ending, the other not, a not-so-happy ending. One is a comedy, the other one is a tragedy. One reveals divine mercy, the other reveals divine judgment. Tekel. When we are judged... There are only two possible outcomes, and all of us will be weighed one day. We will be evaluated one day. We will be judged one day, just like King Belshazzar in today's passage. A tale of two destinies, a tale of two outcomes. So what will it be for you? 
Do you know? So one, let's honor God through our actions and our attitudes. Let's, let's be especially aware of our modern-day idols. And I, I had to struggle with this too. Two, let us learn from the history of these two kings, of what happens of when, when we become arrogant and do not acknowledge God. And three, let us realize that we will be judged one day. I think sometimes we get focused on our day-to-day or year-to-year. What do we have to get done tomorrow, next week, next month? We plan our vacations. We plan, we plan to send our kids to school. We plan to take exams. We plan to get into college. And we don't have that long-term final end. We don't realize we need to be storing up treasures in heaven. And a way to do that is to get rid of our idols, those things that hinder us in our relationship with God. We don't really talk about Judgment Day or the end times at this church. The events in the book of Revelation, we will. The back half of the book of Daniel is all about the visions and the dreams of Daniel that refer to the end times. It's scary and crazy and wonderful stuff. We will get there, and today is just a preview. I'm excited and scared to finish the book of Daniel with you all. Uh, We are almost at the halfway point. So what will it be for us on that fateful judgment day? Are we going to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will we hear, I never knew you, away from me, you evildoers? I urge all of us to take this passage seriously. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. These two kings, King Nebuchadnezzar and King Belshazzar, they give us a preview into the judgment of God. But we don't worship either king. We worship the king of kings, Jesus Christ. Now, stopping idol worship and loving our neighbors, we need to do, but it's not enough. It is by God's grace through our faith that we are saved. Good works, doing good things is not enough. It can never be enough. We cannot earn our way into the kingdom of heaven. We are all sinners. No one is perfect enough to enter the kingdom of heaven on their own merit. God is that holy that he cannot be in the presence of sin, us. And so that eternal punishment, we call that hell. But God made that provision. He sent his son to die for us on that cross that whoever believes in him shall not perish in that everlasting separation, in that everlasting fire, in that everlasting hell, but shall inherit eternal everlasting life in the kingdom of heaven with the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have so many idols here down on this earth. I pray that you would Send the Spirit, help us in our relationship with you. Help make your presence to us clear. Help us focus on you, to put aside those things that hinder our relationship uh, with you. Let us learn from the example of these two kings. I pray that you send you Spirit, that you spend this, this, I pray that you send the Spirit to convict our hearts. In your Son's most holy and precious name, amen.